You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of you right there, Coach? <laughs> You'd think I just took a hit of some weed or something like that, but I just took a, a sip of water. You're getting old, man. You're getting old. It's a drink of water, man. <laughs> All right, okay, so, um, dude, I am, I am so stoked to uh, stoked and psyched to have one of L.A.'s uh, OG graffiti writers. Um, this would be like the first, one, first time we've had someone like this. Yeah, on, it's on true. Because, I mean, we've had, well, we had Eddie on the show, which is like kind of like more graffiti side. But he, like I said, Eddie said himself, he's like not as much of the artist as part of the crew. You know, what I mean, so right, exactly. This this gentleman right here, is it Fish. A thank you so much. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, mm, I'm so he's, excited. He is one of the uh, the technicians with the can that makes the magic happen. Yeah. without a stencil. Yeah, you know I mean, like yeah. original uh, lettering in places where. It's not exactly you don't get the permission for. Yeah, and you know what? One thing, too. Okay, so let's just go back for a second. L.A. Street Gallery, uh, I guess, is the umbrella for this Paint the Town podcast, you know, and we always say we cover street art and, uh, the uh, you know, everything in the history of street art, basically, in the past, so we always got to pay homage to graffiti, basically, you know, and uh, today we definitely have a graffiti this, artist. Yeah, absolutely, 100% uh, graffiti writer yeah. and a graffiti artist as well, yeah. I would say. Yeah, definitely, and... Uh, recently recognized by the LACMA, right? Yeah, man, I had a really cool opportunity. I mean, it just kind of snowballed, but uh, I guess at this point is uh, just recently one of my pieces that I got to make. Should I tell the whole story from the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so... the beginning. uh, Several years ago, I was teaching at Self-Help Graphics with Vile, and uh, he said, hey, man, look at this paper I'm drawing on. It's going to be for some Getty book. He's like, you know what? you should be in this Getty book. Why don't you contact such and such person? And that was uh, Ed Sweeney, who was a collector. And I guess he's part of the reason the whole Getty black book thing got put together. Okay, Ed Sweeney was an art collector, and he's a pilot. And he's friends with David Braffman, which is the collector, or rather the curator of rare books at the Getty Museum. And he was in the basement, and they were looking at all these old books. And one of the books there was called The Book of Friends. And what it was was, I guess back in the day in like, old Europe, uh, the royal artists used to travel with the king or to visit different kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, what one of the royal artists did was he had all the other royal artists draw in this book. So it was called the Book of Friends, but basically it's nothing but masterpieces from all the royal artists from all the different kingdoms at the time. Oh, it's wow. Like a black book. It's like a black book. So that was the inspiration. And I guess Ed Sweeney said, oh, shit, graffiti writers do this, you know? And, and Ed, uh, Dave was like, what do you mean? And he showed him one, and he's like, well, the Getty has to have one. So he put Ed in charge because Ed knew a bunch of the K2S guys. He's oh, like, help me get one of these books together. Can you together. tell people what K2S stands for? K2S is an old uh, East LA crew called Kill to Succeed. And they're still very active now. They've been around since the 80s. And a lot of them are known for their more uh, traditional gang influence style. And a lot of those guys, like uh, Gaijin Fujita, Hyde One, he was actually the first graffiti artist I ever saw at the LACMA. And that was about 15 years ago now. 
Wow. And he was having he had a solo exhibition in one of the smaller galleries, and it blew my socks off to see actually like L.A. hand styles because he had a whisk, which is a member of my crew, and all these people tag on these canvases, and then he did these beautiful paintings on top of it. Oh, and wow. so it was really pulling and pull, uh, you know, he's from East L.A., but or rather his crew's from East L.A., and he has that influence in his artwork. But his he's from Japan too, so his con or his content is very influenced by both. And when you see his work, it's a beautiful synergy of both of those styles. Oh yeah. Anyway, back to the book. So they wanted to get the book together. I met up with Ed, and he was having a hard time getting a hold of specific writers that he wanted from the book, like Zess and a couple other guys that were just really elusive and just kind of aren't or weren't so much interested necessarily in being part of this a lot of the writers even from my crew Zess MSK Zess from MSK yeah. yes and he's also from LTS okay um he was uh and so I knew these guys on a personal basis you know so I was able to get a lot of the more difficult to get guys and because of that I, I developed a pretty cool relationship with Ed and anyway they put the book together we had a viewing and that Getty was really eager to get it out to the public but they're booked up for years in advance. So another small museum called the El Segundo Museum of Art, SMOA, um, they said, hey, we'll show the book. So they had an art show at the SMOA, and uh, originally they had asked five other, or five other artists to be the curators for it, which was Create, I1, Defer, Access, and uh, Minor from West Coast Artists. All amazingly talented guys. I and know them all. Um, from there, I guess during one of the meetings, I believe it was Defer that mentioned, hey, we really have to have the LTS guys involved. And he mentioned me, I guess, specifically, and right away a bunch of the other guys co-signed, like, hey, yeah, we know that guy. We've worked with that guy. We should definitely have that guy be involved. From there, I was uh, asked to be a co-curator. So we split up the museum into six walls. I got to do one of the walls. I brought in my crew. Nice. It was really an your, awesome your experience. Your crew is uh, KOG? It's KOG and yeah. LTS, Killers of Giants and Last of Surrender, which are both uh, originally from Mid-City, but they've kind of spread out. Now there's a Valley kind of faction, an L.A. faction, and there's a few guys in, like, Denver, Barcelona, oh, a few wow. other places around. Nice. So, um, so after that book experience right away, um, I guess doors started opening up. I got to show with that. I've, I've shown now four times at the El Segundo Museum of Art for different exhibitions nice. and uh, through them they actually wanted to put together something a little bit more uh, long-lasting so they asked Jim McHugh which is a photographer he's been photographing LA artists for over 40 years at basically a who's who everybody who's worked in LA he's photographed and mm -hmm. he's also he was also the photographer for the Oscars so he does a lot of celebrity portraits again he shot all the major celebrities for what's his name again Jim McHugh Jim McHugh, okay. And so then they asked him to take portraits of us. He came through and took portraits of all the curators and a few of the artists that were going to be part of this print series. And then um, Jim Reed, which was the master printer at Gemini Gel, which is the number one print house on the West Coast that also does, like, all the most important artists. Uh, he was the, the printer involved, I guess, that we worked with directly to make these prints so one is going to be awesome then so uh they have basically it's a set of prints designed by the artists and portraits of all of us and um so one of them i guess ended up at the lachma there's one that the getty has the la county museum of art and the national gallery of berlin are all the museums oh and esmo all have one of these editions now and because my piece is included in this edition 
I now have a lifetime membership to the LA County Museum of Art, which is yeah. I actually discounted your your. Cra- I thought that was just a, you know, I'm just saying, but it was like a bunch of museums, man. So so, 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 so sorry, I didn't mean to. Not just LACMA, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, man, dude. I'm I'm honored to sit here with you, man. Yeah, like, to me, I'm super humbled. I'm super uh, grateful for all these opportunities. I mean, it's so weird, like. You know, when we started tagging and doing all this bullshit, we were kids. We were like 12, 13. There was you guys started when you were 12 or 13? Yeah. I mean, we were toys. We obviously didn't know what toys. we were doing. <laughs> you know, but we were already stealing paint. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What neighborhood? Some of our people don't know what a toy. What A, graffiti a toy writer. is an unskilled graffiti writer originally, but it also counts for somebody with just a crappy mentality. So if you have a shitty attitude and you're a graffiti guy, you're also a toy. Hey, we're learning some vocabulary here. Right here. I, I love it, man. Well, no, I just yeah. I like getting it from you know someone like this yeah. who's been using this language for a long time so much that, you know, he, he didn't realize he would have to explain what that means to yeah, know, yeah, some yeah, of our exactly, listeners. Exactly. Now, some of our listeners are going to know exactly what the hell you're talking about. but I hope so. We're trying to, we're trying to bring more people into the, the, the world and help them understand. You know? oh, real quick, just because, uh, or else I might forget, and uh, uh, one thing I, sh- I share with Fish on, on this podcast is we're both uh, DJs too, man, right? Yeah, man. I, I had the, <laughs> I'm, I'm really lucky. Like I grew up in, in L.A., uh, I started going out to raves in the early 90s. I think my first big rave, like big, big rave was in 1983. And after then, I was just pretty much addicted. I started going out pretty much every week through, I mean, I still go out. I don't, I don't go out every week, but I still go to the big festivals and certain club nights uh-huh. and stuff. And uh, through that, I, I did every facet. I was a dancer uh, early on, then I started throwing my own parties, and then I started DJing. And so I bought my first uh, set of turntables in 1995. And Whoa. I still have them. They still work. They're still perfectly nice. calibrated. Are they? Are, what, what are they? The techniques? Yeah, okay. they're the 1200s. Yeah. So look at this guy. Like 12, 13, he's going out graf- spraying graffiti, dude. Right? And then, and you're, when did you st- what, what age did you start DJing? I mean, I bought my turntables when I was 15, but I didn't actually figure out what I was doing until I was about 18. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so you're doing graffiti from like from like 12 to 18, going to school, obviously, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my school had a big influence because I went to Fairfax High. And mm. that's oh, where dude. That's right. I rolled up with my crew. I, I got to meet them there. And uh, there was also the rave community. And the Wait, I'm sorry. You met your crew. At, at, at Fairfax. At, yeah, yeah. At well, school. Well, it was actually, I was from another crew originally. And uh, out of all people in the world, this guy, Retina, started coming to school at our school. And he kind of, like, behind my back, see, I wasn't a visual arts magnet at the time because Fairfax has a magnet component. Right. And he was not, so I didn't have him in any classes, even though we're in the same grade. But he was in classes with all my crewmates. So you're bus in, basically. So slowly, uh, actually, um, I was eligible to take the bus, but I usually got a ride or okay, okay. a regular TV versus taking the school bus because you have to I be mean, there at 6 a.m. It's kind of a far commute from your neighborhood. Well, it was only like a 15 to 20 minute drive, actually. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So it wasn't so bad. Okay. But that's amazing that you actually met your crew members at, uh, through high school. Yeah, yeah, that's like a movie right there. Right? Yeah, and <laughs> and for those of you who, who don't know who, uh, who Retina is, um, this is another one of uh, America's, America's, uh, LA's um, legendary OG graffiti writers, just like Fish here, um, who I guess basically the same age as you. Yeah, we're all the same age, a lot of us. Yeah, exactly. So you guys are actually just high school buddies. Yeah, I mean, we're no longer really on speaking terms. Oh, okay, okay, okay. it happens. <clears throat> it happens, you know, yeah. people go apart. And, no, uh, right. But yeah, yeah, that's where the crew started. Basically, behind my back, he started, like, taking all the members of my crew. 
And I was kind of resentful. And one day after school, there was like a crew meeting they were having. And they're like, oh, let's go hang out. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go to your crew meeting. They're like, well, just hang out. And then we'll hang out after the meeting anyway. You know, so like I hung out down at the end of the alley with some of the girls we were hanging out with during the whole meeting until the end of the meeting. Uh, J-Rock and Air, which are two homies from the crew, they're like, yo, come over here, come over here. And I was like, nah, I'm not from your crew, I don't want to be at your meeting. They're like, just come over here, you know, and I walk over and they're like, yo, man, when we got to the school, you put us on the crew and we're all family. And it's like, man, we're all still family, we're also crew, we just got a new name now, you know? Yeah. And I was like, fuck, you know, I was kind of reluctant, but like, you know, I looked around and it was all my friends. I'm like, uh, okay, okay, cool, I'll be in your KOG crew, I guess, you know what I mean? And that's, uh, that's how, that, that's how it goes. So you have to go by fish one, right? Basically, yeah, yeah, fish, fish with a silent e at the end. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, but you usually tag a, like a one after, right? So, um, sometimes, no, sometimes, sometimes okay. I put the crew. Sometimes I write the word one. Sometimes okay. I just write fish. Sometimes okay. I write fisher. Sometimes I drop the e. You know what? It's all organic variation. And you know, I got I got to tell you, just from uh, from what I know of of Retina, uh, you know, I got tons of respect for the the dude's capabilities and everything, but. Um, you know, I, it's not someone I would necessarily want to keep company with. You know, um, it's uh, he uh, the way he goes about doing what he does is you know it's I have a family I have you know I have children and everything sure. and um, although I've seen him do some stuff with with school children you know and so yeah. uh, you know it's it's amazing to There's see a lot that. of duality going on yeah so um, but you know, you know people just need to realize just I'm going to get off of this um, really quickly is that um, you know. Uh, just because uh, you, you, you like uh, what an artist does, the, the images or something like that, you know, it doesn't mean that we're always going to be 100% uh, perfect. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, we, all, we all have our edges. We all have our, our pasts and stuff that we deal with. Um, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to... Just yeah, wanted you know what? That. I don't know. From my experience, whenever you've, uh, quote-unquote, like, idolized somebody and then you meet them, it kind of, like, grows the magic, actually, right? I, I mean... It's happened. It's not always the case, you know what I mean? Well, I'm, seeing, I'm, I'm only speaking from um, experiences that I have been that have been told to me from people who have lived the experiences through, and so it's not like I'm just you know reading something off of the uh, the internet or something like that. Um, sure. So it's uh, you know some people you may think you want to know and hang out with and and go have beers and party with and everything. Not necessarily so. Yeah. Whereas in the other, in some other cases, you may never know. You may think that some dude is so badass, killer, you know, graffiti gang, you know, connected or whatever, and he'd be like, dude, let's uh, let's go grab a beer, let's watch some UFC fights or something. Yeah, like actually, that. that's actually what happened with me and Eddie. And I, I thought this dude was like, okay, because here's the thing. Okay, I, I've told people this before. Okay, getting into the the graffiti game or the street art game or whatever, doing what I was doing, you know, stenciling. And not only stenciling, but teaching others how to stencil. Like, that was looked down upon like severely, <laughs> severely by graffiti crews. Yeah. Okay? And I understood it. I understood it. But my means were different than theirs, you know? Sure. And I just hope and prayed that they never came after me, like, physically. Yeah. I didn't mind them buffing my work and all that stuff and everything. I just hope and pray they didn't come after me physically because I didn't want to have to call my military buddies back in Florida. And it just, it just escalates so quickly, you know what I mean? Well, I think in Luckily, general... I mean, you're right. I think the graffiti guys definitely look down their nose at the street art guys. And it's kind of like surfers and boogie boarders, you know? I, I brought yeah. that analogy from uh, That's a great six. analogy. You know what I mean? Like, it's both in the water. It's both got boards. It's waves, but it's not the same thing. Exactly. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> and um, or you know what? In, in, in our DJ world, man, it's like the old school battle guy saying, sure. saying like to the CDJ guy, like, "Hey, I man. just got some CDJs." And I, you know, which one did you get? It was Which one? I got them new, so I got the nine hundred. Okay, okay, okay. You know what I mean? You know what, man? It's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I, there's this. Uh, uh, I gotta, I gotta pull it up just because it's so eloquent. There's, you know, people, when we talk about, it's like people are always talking about cheating. You know, oh, is this guy cheating to do to do the art, right? Is this guy cheating, right? You know, what I mean, there's like this. Well, you know what? It's that's that I can, and I, it totally makes sense that especially the way that I show people how to make stencils, you know, it can be seen as cheating. Oh, I think it's awesome, tracing, by the way. and well, you get great effects. You can get great effects from it, but at the same time, it's the best stencil technique I've seen. I think. Thank you. But then again, yeah, if you're trying to argue with, you know, uh, someone like Retina or, you know, someone from the MSK crew or, you know, like Dame in MSK or whatever or um, or uh, Trav or something like that. Sure. You know, you, you, good luck trying to, you know, get these guys to, to come in on my side. And I well, totally understand. It makes sense because their skill level is, you know, much higher than these guys who are just, you know, tracing stencils and spraying them up. But I feel like there's like an instinct aspect of it, like something that you can't necessarily always like, yeah, you can 10,000 hours, you become a master at something, but then you just become a technician or, you, you know, I mean, maybe you're just a technician, you're not a true innovator, you know what I mean? And I think like... I see that happen in graffiti a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. guys that are technically proficient, they can do <laughs> very nice technical things, yeah. but it's very bland in that they're not pushing any boundaries. Boundaries, basically. and in general, actually, let me really quick. Yeah. That was actually kind of my uh, my beef with street art, specifically in LA, because I go to Mexico City a lot, mm. and the street art there is yeah. so beautiful and so elaborate and so big. Whether it's legal or not, it's really like, and people are pushing very different kind of aesthetics. And I felt like in LA it had become very homogenized. Everybody was putting like a little face and a little like name under it, and that was kind of just the format for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> a little quick get up. With all due respect to, to everybody that does something like that, you know what I mean? It had just become like your little character, your little face. It had become very much like graffiti in that now you have your little stamp, and it dialogued in the same space. But there was like I, I felt like a lot of the street art guys didn't really respect the space in the same way as graffiti writers do. Like if somebody else has their shit there, you leave it alone. You go find somewhere else. Exactly. And they didn't necessarily understand the rules so there had been like a lot of conflict between the two communities if you will um, but I feel like there's less conflict now I mean it's more of like I a, think it's become more diffused I think there was like some like internet things that happened at some point where like people were egging it on and I think some of the guys were kind of like yeah this is stupid like what like what's the point yeah you know yeah, I mean? yeah, right, yeah and right. then everyone else kind of followed suit like hey you're right let's just leave those guys alone yeah you know what I mean <laughs> but in the case of uh teacher here I actually really not only um, I liked the content and I think so much of the street art it's like an opportunity because street art like graffiti often just dialogues with other graffiti writers we are really kind of alienating the viewer in that it's a wild style we don't want you to read it if you can't read my funky ass fresh hand style it's not for you <laughs> and so we're not you know it, it, it isn't we're not doing it for you it's like us it's our little private secret community that we I think is trying to dialogue with the public they're trying to talk to my mom they're trying to talk to my kids they're trying to talk to everybody right, <laughs> right so right. having that kind of voice I was disappointed with so many street writers uh, street artists that didn't say anything and I saw a lot of teachers work and he often had a socially aware message but from the name to the imagery to what he was saying and it was all very uh, topical yeah and I really respected that like this guy's using his voice to say something and it was aesthetically pleasing. So it was, and it was, um, 
I liked. He kind of had the he got up graffiti writer eye as well. Mm. Like the places he chose to put the work was also very like had the kind of graffiti mentality in a way, you know. And I respected all of those aspects. So yeah, right yeah, away, yeah. I was like, all right, street art's kind of shitty, but this guy's all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, that was dude, seriously. He was the like the first graffiti writer, like you know, OG graffiti writer that wasn't just hella mean to me. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know, you know, he was actually complimenting. You know, he was like, you know what, say what you want to say, dude is getting up. You, you, you know, know he's putting his work in. You know, and so many people are quick to criticize, but so many people don't have the work ethic. And yeah. I respect the work ethic, even the toys. People that aren't that skilled and are yeah. just trying. Yeah. Like if I see a guy really going out there and just hitting it hard, I might not like his work, but if I meet him, I'm gonna shake his hand, give him a pat on the back, like, hey, dude, I see you. You're out there. You're doing it. Which yeah. is so much more than all the critics. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Dear critics, yeah. go fuck yourselves. Yeah, <laughs> and but you know what? I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah. The uh, the thing is with uh, with with graffiti and street art. You know, you, you've got artists. Anytime you got a bunch of artists together, you're always going to have problems. But well, egos, artists. Yeah, exactly. Egos. Just now like you combine that. Egos. You combine that yeah. with with your that you're actually you know um, committing crimes, vandalism. Sure. On top of it, it compounds it almost like gives it a different edge. Yeah, completely. Like and so that's why things escalate so damn quickly. They certainly do. I like that you're like, oh, this is our secret community. Because I, I, to be honest, like, I under, I, I feel oh, dude, like there are guys out there that that go out and they get up somewhere that is crazy. Okay, they don't take a video while they're doing it. They don't take a picture when yeah. they're done, and they just walk away. Right. Yeah. And that's all they need. Yeah. You know? Sure. And and I'm just saying that that's that's one of the things that actually initially. Uh, drew me to street art because I was like, you know, I'm not I'm not an artist per se in in this uh, street art. I mean, I'm a musician and DJ, right? But I just have friends that are street artists, and a lot of times I was just like, I just need to be in the know of what's going <laughs> on the world of the street, and that's what attracted to me like that secretive uh, thing. And I felt like um, a lot of times people are now like, hey, it is self glorification. Let me just post my little like icon there a lot of times for street art you know and sure. then it's like like you're right but teachers always had a lot of a uh, uh, deeper meaning is topical you know i always like to say it's like john singleton died and the next day there's a huge <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like the next day man like i really you know? love his mma stencils too <laughs> oh yeah oh, yeah he yeah. actually blessed me uh, a few years ago with a kimbo one for my birthday a kimbo slice oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's right away. man yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, you gave me a Max Holloway one. You actually recently gave that to Max Holloway, and I saw oh, yeah. it. That was in Hawaii, so I just you know, took it over there with me. I found out where his gym was, and dude, it was actually kind of awesome the way it worked out. I just dropped by because you know I looked at it, and that's when the gym was going to be open. And sure. I know he had already taken off to mm -hmm. Canada to fight Eddie um, or Frankie, and so um, I just dropped by the the gym one day when I had uh, some extra time, and it was it was locked. And so right when I was getting ready to pull away, this guy pulls in and parks. And I'm kind of looking at him, and I go, he looks like he could be, you know, one of these guys. Sure. So I just went over to the car and kind of like, you know, he's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, uh, you, you work out here? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, can I ask you a favor, man? Uh, I, you know, I did this stencil of uh, Max. Can I just leave it with you? He's saw it. He goes, oh, dude, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll open it up for you. I'll open it up for you. I was like, oh, dude, because that's awesome. I, I would have had to like drive away and then just like maybe mail it to him in the mail or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So I just you know signed it quickly and then left it with the dude. That's awesome, man. And then just today, I guess uh, last night or whatever, 
he did like a quick little story with it and posted it. Awesome. <laughs> That's sweet. Did you repost it? No, of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's funny that we're talking about MMA because uh, I actually met uh, Fish for the first time at uh, your pad. We were watching an MMA fight. You know what I mean? And That's I just, right. And I was just, I, I, you know what's funny, man? So I always will remember this because uh, uh, we had the same jacket, dude. I don't know if you remember Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. You have a good taste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? We both have like bomber jackets on. It was like a navy blue one, right? And then the funny thing was like, I was like, oh, dude, you have a nice jacket. He's like, you too. But he had a test beat. Right? He's like, hey, is it orange on the inside? I was like, fuck yeah, it is. Back in the day, like I yeah. said, if you grew up in LA, dude, it, it, you know, you had to have a bomber jacket and it had to be orange inside or else it wasn't a true bomber jacket. The first time I met Eddie was at uh, uh, at the what was the name of that bar? It was, it's changed since then. Um, was it the one on Riverside? Yeah, the one on Riverside. Uh, what was it called at the time? When I started going, there was like a Greek restaurant, and they oh, had wow. raves there. Really? <laughs> wait, wait, are you talking about um, El Castillo or something? Like no, that? no, it, it was at the pit stop. No, it was. Uh, that was like the the rec room. The rec room. That yeah, was, I think that it was. was it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Then it was uh, Bill. Um, oh, what's the famous Bill Murray? Bill Murray something or other. After that, but oh, now right? I don't know what the hell it is. But yeah, yeah it was a rec room. Right. And I don't know. I think yeah, it, it was yeah. It's like an Instagram post or something like that. And you're like, dude, I'm here. And I was like, what? Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I was like, there he is, right there. Holy shit, man. <laughs> You know, and so I was, I was just, you know, prepared for him to like, you know, be like, hey, dude, so listen, man, you know, I get what you're doing and everything, but fucking ease up with the goddamn stencils, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, stay the fuck away from them and shit or whatever, you know, whatever, but just as friendly as could be, you know? Yeah, you don't expect that, man, and honestly, uh, I, I got the same reaction, man, like, we bonded over just, like stupid stuff like Raven and our jacket dude <laughs> you know what I mean so and I'm saying, you, don't, you don't get that from a lot of, especially uh, a lot of the guys in the, the graffiti area man and it's cool man I so appreciate that let's I, talk about the UFC for a second well, we got a big event well, coming up he's like, he's like, I'm not that nice yeah. what were you going to say what well, I was going to say that I'm not that nice but I'm going to say that I uh, am a proponent of the usage of entheogenics uh, aka psychedelics and I think that it's been through my use over the years that I've become so humble. It's taught me so much about everything, and uh, I'm no better than anybody else. You know what I mean? I, I put on my pants one leg at a time, <laughs> the whole shit. I have to face axes. We're all, we're all the same. You know what I mean? And so I know a lot of graffiti guys have like this chip on the shoulder, like they yeah. do this big important thing. Oh, oh, I paint so much. I paint more billboards than anybody in town. You know, I, I'm, I'm the coolest, toughest guy you know. And it's like, yeah, that's cool, but only like these dorks care. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, and, and this is my thing. And you know what? Again, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Like I used to be a lot more aggressive of a person and just like short fuse. And now like... You know, it's I'm very humbled, man, and it's because of uh, my a lot of use of psychedelics and just like, uh, you know, uh, the weed, man. <laughs> it's all about like forgiveness too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like giving people the pass. Like somebody cuts you off or the rue, they like spill your drink a little bit, and it's like, what am I gonna do? Fight this drunk idiot because he like knocked my drink over a little bit? It's like, you know what? Hey, have a nice day. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. What the hell, dude? You're yeah. dealing with an idiot. The first, the worst thing you can do is you know try to lower yourself to their level to combat so that they understand <laughs> what the fuck you're talking about, and then they're gonna beat you with experience anyway. Yeah, so, you know. And you know, and I unfortunately, when I was growing up as a kid, had to deal with so much like bullshit violence. Then, that as an adult, I, if I can avoid it, I will. 
Let's talk about that for a second. What kind of, uh, like, how old were you when you you saw, like, was it gun violence or? Oh, man, unfortunately, gun violence has been around my whole life. Uh, I started losing friends from gun violence in junior high. You know, when we ditched school in junior high, like, uh, we'd have, you know, crew meetings and we'd meet up at, like, uh, Runyon Canyon, all these different parks around LA and Hollywood. And we, you know, we like 300 kids, you know, and we'd be like doing the giant fucking crew meetings because it would be like multiple kids from multiple schools all ditching. It'd be crazy, right? And the oh fucking cops God. would come and then everybody like scatter like roaches and then we get back to school because often you meet up back at school to like smoke weed with people or whatever. There'd be roving bands of like either local gangs or local crews like looking for kids to jack. So if you're like by yourself, they caught you by yourself, they jump out of the car, hit you over the head with a club, you know, kick you a few times, take your backpack. If you had cool shoes, maybe take your shoes. And that was just kind of the norm. That was the standard. At the time when I was in junior high, I was at Bancroft Junior High, which was pretty much Highland and Santa Monica. At my campus, there was guys from TJ Locos, Rebels, TMC, 18th Street, Dirty Old Man Gang, Jeff Rocks, all these old local gangs, you know what I mean? And it was like on different sides of campus, like, you know, oh, you, you want to get weed? Oh, yeah, the black kids over there have better weed than the Mexican kids over here, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it was a rougher time. It was pre-cell phones. People just had pagers. So, like, oh, the yeah. fastest you could call a cop would take a while. There was no way to, like, record this guy. Hey, this guy is the guy beating you up. Like, it wasn't like it is now. Oh, there was yeah. a different element of danger at the time. You know what I mean? Like, hopping on the bus. Yeah, there was a lot more. The regular RTD bus, you would hop on, and you'd kind of have to, like, look around before you, like, walk to the back. It's like, wait, who's on this bus? Because is there rival <laughs> crew guys on this bus? There's, like, five of them coming from their party, and, like, I'm by myself. So it was kind of like, all right, hey. you get on before you even pay for the fucking bus, you like look like, all right, is somebody gonna kick my ass when I get to the back? You know, and it's like, all right, no, it's safe, cool. I, I know that guy. I'm cool. You know, <laughs> this is at what age? 13, 14, it, it starts in middle school, man. It starts yeah. in middle school, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- y- you know, I mean, like. And at the time, that's actually what brought me to graffiti. It was a safety and numbers thing. There was like, you could either be a gang guy, maybe a skater guy, but I wasn't that skilled at the skateboarding, even though I'd been doing it for a few years. But I like to draw a lot. You know, and I love the multiple color pieces. And really lucky, um, on my campus, there was a bunch of graffiti pieces that had been painted by students from earlier generations. And that was really inspirational. I see these badass fucking wild style burners on campus, you know, and I'd be like, fuck, I want to do that. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. You know, fuck this gang shit. So I was attracted to dudes that were a little more artistic. And because of that, you know, some of them were raver kids. And some of them were kind of like the weirder kids, you know. So that's when you got into music, basically. (laughs) I was really blessed, man. You know, I, I got into music. I grew up uh, at the Oakwood Apartments in Hollywood, which is temporary housing. Yeah. I don't call it that anymore. But, like, literally, like, in junior high, I used to smoke weed with Tupac. And I tell people that, and they're like, oh, you're lying, and this and that. But people that really know me, they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. Wu-Tang Clan, for example, were my neighbors also. One time, uh, my neighbors from across the hall, they used to sell weed. And Old Dirty Bastard was like, pounding at the dude's door, three in the morning, boom, 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 give me some weed, give me some weed, and I heard my dad like, what the fuck, and I'm like, what the fuck, and I get up and out, and out of bed, my dad has a baseball bat with a bat, he opens the door, he's like, motherfucker, I'm going to count the three and crack your skull, ODB looks at him, he looks like around, and he like just runs down the hall, <laughs> you know, it's me, you know, I'm in like 11th grade or something, You're like, dude, that's ODB, and I'm like, and then I'm like, the next day it's going like, should I tell people my dad punked old dirty bastard last night, like, are they going to believe, like, I'm just going to keep that to myself, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what do you spend with too far? I don't know about that. All right, so I used to uh, take the 420 bus, random, right? The 420 what? bus. That got me from, that was the route on the RTD that got me home. And I'd walk a few blocks. And basically, I'd buy 
I buy my nickel sack, five dollars a week, because that's all I could afford. Yeah. At school, and yeah. I roll it, and after school, I'd be smoking down the little corridors back to my apartment. Yeah. And there were some dudes hanging out in the, in the little balcony, like, "Yo, kid, yo, kid, what's up? Yo, can you help us get some weed?" And I walked over there, I'm like, "You can hit this," but that's all I got. They're like, "Well." where did you get it? I'm like, at school. And I'm like, well, I'm like, you know? And they're like, well, can you get us some? I'm like, well, they sell nickel sacks. So he has 20 bucks. He's like, get me four nickel sacks, you know? And I'm like, cool, you know, no problem. Yeah, I got you. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow, you know? And I come back tomorrow with the four nickel sacks. Like, here you guys go. Oh, my God. And they're like, oh, like, chill, let's smoke, you know? And they're like, they invited me inside. And Tupac was kicking it inside. You know, it was all at the the crew was called Thug Life then. Yeah, yeah, Later yeah, became yeah, the Outlaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were still called Thug Life then. It was like and, a big uh, psych? Uh, it was all the yeah, and we chilled and we smoked, you know, and for about two weeks every day, I bring them the four nickel sacks until finally they got a weed hookup and I didn't have to, you know, bring weed anymore, you know. And yeah, that's so, like Oakland province because that's, it's kind of like uh, legendary in a weird way because every, yeah. all the stars, they all move there because it's sure. furnished, right? right, right. There's, when they first moved to LA, right? It's temporary housing, yeah. like you said. So you must run into some characters there. <laughs> I <laughs> hung out with and was friends with a bunch of child stars, like a ton of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like a bunch of my friends' parents were like famous actors and stuff. Okay, so it was kind of okay. weird. Like I had a really Hollywood upbringing in that context. Yeah. But then I leave the, you know, the sanctity and the safety of this little gated community where I lived. Yeah. And then I'd go down to Bancroft and Fairfax and shit. Well, it was just, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then. I don't know, man. Like, I was always a little bit attracted to danger, so I put myself in kind of stupid situations in yeah. a way. <laughs> but it was fun, you know. Here I am, I'm alive, I'm talking about it. So well, let's think about, you know what, one of the things that me and Cheryl, like I said, are, we're both DJs, man, you know what I mean? And I know, you know, right now, I think you're DJing drum and bass, right? Well, you know, okay, so, okay, so historically I've always mostly played drum and bass, but yeah. I've collected a little bit of house and techno mm -hmm. and hip-hop on the side. I have a ton of reggae records. Okay. But, um... Although I do still play drum and bass, I've been really attracted to like minimal techno mm -hmm. and some tech house and shit some like that. Some Bergheim shit. Yeah, I, I, I like, you know, I like, uh, my friend's been putting me onto this Bulgarian micro house, it's called. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, you, you know, know I've got it's very niche, if you will, but it's... <laughs> it's it doesn't sound like it. No, no, right, right. <laughs> It's really fun. It's really fun. Well, well, one of the things I was trying to say is that attracted to danger, man. One of the things I love is going to underground fucking parties, man. Okay. I still go to mostly undergrounds. Like, I'll go to, like, a venue that's, like, licensed, like, a club every once in a while, but 90% of my party going is at a warehouse, is in the desert, is at some clandestine location. I mean, those are the best parties. Yeah, you know what? The mm. thing is, like, I mean, okay. Back in the day, uh, raves were very like more underground, and nowadays it's like it's so commercialized, man. But is that a bad thing? I mean, like it's. I mean, the DJs can eat, and that's good, mm -hmm. and it really gives a lot of space. I mean, I, I think it's like a gateway for the people that want to go deeper, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's also like a safe space for people that just want to hit the surface level. I'm not mad at it. I feel you know. I started raving. I went to my first rave in '92. It was like a little underground, but I went to a big rave. It was called. It was a rave that they threw for the movie Strange Days, and it was like right where the Bonaventure Hotel is. Okay. D Light okay. played, R.A.W., Rondi Cor. Oh, man, this is back in the day. It was yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. day, and it was a pretty big deal, and it kind of like turned me out. I was like, okay, I want to do this forever. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the first big rave, and it was so different and so innocent. It was so dangerous still. Like, the pat down was non existent, oh and there's people like with nitrous tanks blowing in the middle of the street, people yeah. standing on top of the, the fucking bus stop. Yeah, you know what? Do you remember? Do you remember? 
X, 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 X. And everywhere you go, it's just like people are just like going up to you and saying X because. Not me saying Molly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking a lot of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's like that was the. It, 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 I remember it when acid was the main drug. So I before when I started okay, yeah, 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 yeah. LSD was number one, and, 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 and ecstasy was like kind of there. Yeah. And then as well, my, my point of the whole thing was was saying is that every three, four, or five years, I feel like it's a brand new scene. There's new kids in it. Obviously, there's yeah. old school ravers that have been there from the jump, right? But there's new kids. There's new music they dress different yeah they you know the drugs they use are different now yeah. now they want to do kate now yeah, they want to yeah. do this now they want to do that you know what i mean so you know that a lot of times nowadays the kids just do nitrous and vape that's the big thing the vape okay you know it's not i'm like dude that's not even illegal dude. as long as they're not driving <laughs> on nitrous yeah well, unfortunately okay you know what nitrous is teach yeah, yeah, I know what it is. I haven't done it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it lasts like yeah. ten seconds. You know, and actually, <laughs> as far as toxicity goes, it's really not toxic for you. The thing is, if you do too much at one time, obviously you're not getting enough oxygen in your brain. Yeah. You pass out, right? If you do it in a locked room and like you it's just have it going, you you obviously don't get enough oxygen. You can die. But, 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 if, but if you're like sucking in a balloon, like an open space like this. And you know you're sitting down in a chair. It's really not dangerous. And basically, it's basically helium, right? It's it's no, no, nitrous no. oxide. It's nitrous laughing oxide. gas. It's a. It's what they give to you at the dentist. It's an anesthetic. When you go under, basically, so it puts you in kind of like a dream yeah. state. That's that's where I've had it before. Was it? Yeah, dream. yeah. So I mean, you get pretty loopy at the dentist. Some people, you know. Oh, I know. I, I get to the point where it's just like, okay, <laughs> but if I try to say what I'm thinking right now, they're gonna know that I'm fucked up. I'm just gonna shut up right now. Got it, I know I've got a grin on my face and be, yeah, there I go, I'm out. Yeah, I, I think it's fun. <laughs> I don't do it a ton, but Wait, like in the right context, I think, I think it's I okay. Think, uh, I think artists, they need to, um, I don't, okay, you know, if you're a sober artist, I don't understand because like you don't put yourself in like different uh, mentalities and state of mind to get inspired. So I understand some people are like that, but personally, well, you know most artists that are sober artists have sobered up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 there's yeah, there's yeah, ways yeah. Of, of using, you know, being sober and you, you do the right type of exercises, you endorphins and everything can, you know, it, there's there's ways of achieving uh, euphoria without without drugs. But um, I, uh, you know, speaking personally, I think that um, if you are, uh, if you feel like you're stable enough with, you know, your your life and your, and your mentality and everything, you want to experiment, you know, um, it's uh, it's one of the ways that uh, you can actually ins explore your own mind and uh, you know break down barriers uh, that you maybe not have reached uh, without it. Well, I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of drugs, man. Like because it really makes you examine yourself in a different. That's uh, why I don't recommend them for most people. Yeah, actually, I kind of agree. I don't think they're for everybody. Yeah, and not only that, but I, I think that the problem is like uh, words like drugs themselves. That's right. Has yeah. like a real connotation to it right yeah. it's kind of a loaded word right and the way that the drugs react and act to our body and the difference of the dangers between different drugs is so different that it's and kind different of body types it's kind of unfair to group them all together like 100 you know, yeah. people talk about like uh, cannabis often like oh you're a drug user and it's like yeah dude but you're a fucking alcoholic you're gonna die from your yeah. fucking medicine yeah, or, it just chills me out dude or the vicodin that you use to take care of your pains right i'm mitigating the damage it's gonna do to your body is nothing compared to what cannabis does for my body, my broken shoulder, my messed up back, my messed up knee and everything. Absolutely. You know? How I kind of see it, though, is kind of like, okay, like, you know, prescription pills, man, that's like Western medicine, you know? It's I mean? really like, dangerous stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's attacking a very specific... Uh, symptom. 
a symptom and also a, a pathway, a certain pathway, you know what I mean? And when you smoke weed, it's kind of, or, you know, you do other stuff, it's like kind of like... More realistic. Holi- well, weed, you know what I mean? I don't know about like... You Less know, processed. Exactly, right? So, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard this study before, but John Hopkins University did a study on mushrooms, you know, and they said that even one time in your life doing it will significantly improve... Uh, your your view of the world, basically, you know. Oh, I mean? especially if you're the type that can take an enlightenment and go with it. You yeah, know I mean? yeah, some people can be enlightened, and then the next day, you know, you're going, "Hey, don't don't you remember like what I told you?" And then you <laughs> were like, "Oh my God, yes, you don't remember that." You know, so yeah. some people are, you know, it's sweet. You know, it's kind of hard, and that's why sometimes maybe a repeated dose. It's like, oh yeah, this yeah. is you know what I did got like. You know, the thing with uh, psychedelic substances is they often help you reflect. And I think that's where a lot of people have the bad trips. Mm. Ah, they're either yeah. having, uh, they're in a bad state or they have some stuff like repressed memories and stuff. And Absolutely. Often with the psychedelics, you can't hide from that stuff. It does happen though. I hate and it. It's difficult. Yeah. You know, yeah. facing yourself sometimes and your own experience, this is very difficult because Absolutely. we often do such a great job of putting a mask on and just putting on that face. But it really makes you see yourself and reflect on yourself. And that's what I think again the humbling comes yeah. from the yeah. teaching it can be it I mean? can be very useful but you know what it, it, basically what it all comes down to is what your personality type is if you are an addictive personality type you're, it doesn't matter what the fuck you, you know what I mean drugs. you shouldn't use drugs period you know then there's the other types where you know is you can do it once careful. and never do it again or yeah. like like okay cool I tried it I'm mm-hmm. good you know absolutely I mean? you're totally right I know people like that they do like blow or whatever like once a year or every two years but they will never buy a bag or nothing they'll be like okay it's new year's fine you bent my you know just yeah, my arm absolutely i personally don't inhale uh, do that but i'm not passing judgment <laughs> well that's what i'm you know everyone has there's so many different body types and and processors you know everyone's sure. processors some are you know you operating with, you know your own medicine you yeah know, you try different medicines like this works for me this doesn't work for me yeah and, and if you try if you rely on a doctor who is someone completely different than you yeah, you he know, doesn't know. He has no, no idea what wrong. you're feeling. Absolutely. You know, so anyway, uh, oh, you know what? Let's. I, I wanted to uh, talk about the the big UFC fights coming up this weekend. Pretty okay. exciting. Yeah, mainly because it could be DC's last fight. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Uh, Daniel Cormier, he's the heavyweight champion who was the uh, the champ champ. The champ, um, champ and, but and politics. Yeah, the politics with the bullshit and everything, and the Mr. Pico. Uh, coming back and, and <laughs> taking the 200, the light heavyweight. But um, so he's fighting Stipe Miocic. Who's also a badass. Oh, I'm dude. such a huge fan of both guys, and I have I such just a watched big the, respect uh, for both of them. Absolutely. I just watched the the, 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 the their first oh, wow. fight again, and I was just saying, you know what, though? Stipe, yeah, he got beat in that one, but the thing is, like, honestly, he never really got the respect he deserves in the UFC, man. The guy's a fucking firefighter, and he does... Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a volunteer. Off. He's a volunteer firefighter. Oh, okay, yeah, it's a big okay. difference. He's a volunteer firefighter, meaning that he does that shit without getting paid. Okay. He, okay. Puts his, he risks his life... For, you for know, the community, yeah, 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 yeah. So I tons of respect for that guy. Love him to death. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I, I was completely amazed when Daniel Cormier won the first fight. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. It was just one little mistake. It was one little mistake. You know, DC he had his hand down, right? And, and and DC caught his jaw. And you know what? That, yeah, that's the perfect thing. If you're a smaller, more like you know, tubby kind of guy compared to you're fighting a giant man, he, 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 weighed, he weighed more than him. That's what, <laughs> he weighed. Um, Daniel Cormier weighed two forty six. Was that Talgate? And and no, oh, no, no this, is, this is a heavyweight fight. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't have to weigh. You don't have to worry about weight. You have to just come in at two sixty five or under. Yeah, two sixty five is the upper limit, right? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. um. 
let's see, um, Lurchich was, I think, 241, and, and Cormier was 246. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that, and Danny Cormier is a light heavyweight so champion. He's 205. Hey, DC is making, uh, you know, Trevor yeah. guys all around the world. 45 bad. fucking pounds. <laughs> That's insane. That can't be healthy for that him. That can't be good. I hope I'm this glad he's not doing it anymore. Yeah, I hope this is seriously. Do it I hope this is his last fight because. And I hope if if so, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, I hope he retires, champ. With all due respect yeah. to Stipe, because Stipe's still got a career ahead of him. Yeah, know? he does. He's young. And you know what? Here's the thing. He's too. young. I honestly, because uh, um, I used to be a big John Jones fan, man. Okay, honestly, I, and uh, you know, because I was such a big John Jones fan, when when his adversary is DC, it kind of made me always like root for John Jones still and part of me just wanted you know what I mean but yeah. the thing is like as this, he's the perfect example of as the time has gone on he's earned your respect he's chipped the yeah no one liked DC yeah. for a long time yeah. you know because yeah. he was like because he was the kind of person <laughs> yeah he's, he's a little dry humor you know he's kind of um, you know the antagonist a little bit you know yeah and the thing is you know what but you gotta look at him it's like dude he's like you know what my teammate Kane is uh, uh, in heavyweight fuck it I'll just go down to light heavy he's a I team know. player that's, man you, you know and then that's like, why I respect so classy guy yeah and like I said he put the blueprint for if you're a smaller guy and you're fighting a taller guy dude Get your arm around his neck. You know, that, that's the blueprint, man. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's just some David and Goliath shit right there, basically. And underhooks. Right? Underhooks. Underhook, underhook exactly. the hell out of Frank Mir. Pushed him up against the fix. Underhooked the hell out of him. Pushed him up and then body punched him until he got him, you know, until he clinched again. I mean, with the underhooks. Pushed him up against the fence again. And then as he let him go, body punches again. And, and that was it. Yeah, it's a stupid. It's a stupid topic. Everybody always talks Game about, bad. but you know what? Greatest of all time, he's definitely like, he's 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 up there, man. He's like, like you know, he's in contention, he's in contention man. You, you, you know, so. your, uh, your sister uh, worked out at the same. My mom says, yeah, she trains at AKA. Actually, she's sitting right there. I mean, she doesn't know if she wants to come on the podcast later yet. Basically, but we'll see. Yeah, you know? <laughs> be careful. She'll kick all three of our asses right now. Yeah. Okay, that's super like, awesome. By the way, she trains. You know, she she is the. First female atom weight at AKA, basically. You know, there's these huge motherfucking guys, right? They're sure. they're all like heavyweights. I think they're you know Khabib, then we're gonna that whatever Khabib, <laughs> DC, <laughs> Kane, right? Uh, you know, they got killers in there, you know. So, um, but you know, so she she's trained at AKA for you know for a while. Dude, no wonder she's such a badass. <laughs> Good grief. Holy shit! You know, she fought him in Victa, and then, um, but now she's moving to Thailand, and she's going to open up a recovery center there, actually, for a lot of the uh, a lot of the fighters that do training camps there. So Ooh, um, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, we in a previous podcast, if you want to go to one of the travel recaps, we talk about uh, how I went to Thailand with my sis, and uh, I almost fucking died because I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> She took me on a day day trek adventure where we went up like a seventy degree incline hill. And I, I thought we were just gonna see some elephants, man. You know, we ended up white water rafting there. Like I was just like, Jesus Christ, man! That's like, pretty awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was cool, you know, in retrospect, man. You know, what I mean, yeah, but, 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 but you survived. Right? Yeah. yeah, I wasn't worried. I'm a musician, man. Like, you know what I mean, like. You know, <laughs> exactly. I, I stay inside, and the only time I come out is to party and smoke cigarettes and drink beers. <laughs> you know, but but anyways, all right. So, um, but, but shit, man, dude. I look forward to. Uh, I want to go over there sometime. When she gets the the recovery, I could use a recovery center myself. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Do with twins. You know what I mean? The twins. We're flipping the houses and everything. The wife's uh, just about got her next movie together and everything. Like, I could use some recovery time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude. I, 
I'm not a big as long as I don't get my ass kicked, you're not gonna beat the <laughs> shit out of me. Right? That's no part of it. It's too hot there for me. There we go. Okay. So okay, so go, let's go back one more thing because we haven't really we talked a little bit about like uh, music, you know what I mean? But you're saying okay, Bulgarian Bulgarian uh, micro house, man. I just pulled some up, man. Can you, can you, can you tell me if this that is sounds like, like a a a brew of beer. Can, can you tell me if this is like what you're talking about? We're just gonna pull. You know, up. well that's not the only. I, I like like also dudes like a uh, dance spirit and uh, like this kind of. Okay, yeah, this could fall in it because it's really kind of minimal and almost like on the techno side yeah, of things. Yeah, it's like tech house kind of, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what? The thing about DJs, dude, this is if you think like visual artists are like elitist, man. Like DJs, since we don't really do as much a lot of times, you know, what I mean, there's like so much like snootiness within each other. Wouldn't oh, you agree? How do you get hooked up with doing a gig? There's more room <laughs> to be a nerd in the DJ culture, and it's again, there's so many like niches and micro niches. It's like a fractal, and every little branch spreads another little like set of branches and another set of branches and some die out and some get really strong and they become like big things wow. like uh, dubstep I feel kind of came from drum and bass yeah yeah, yeah 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 and it was like the number one thing forever frat boys all over the states were just dubstep you know and, and it's yeah. really interesting though because in LA there was a really strong wonderful dubstep community that was very mixed as far as ethnicity it was like a lot of black kids a lot of Hispanic kids a lot yeah. of Asian kids it was very urban there was all like a lot of graffiti writers went and then all of a sudden it flipped I think at some point and like Skrillex and all these guys <laughs> became like the deal and it became really like frat like what they call it bro step they yeah, call that was bro step right right okay. right and it, that even became the name bro step you know and oh it's so God. weird how but, like it evolved and it morphed and it changed and but it's kind of see, see in the art world right it's like you know what you're a classic painter I'm a graffiti artist I can look at your work and have some appreciation, have some appreciation. For, <laughs> for the scale, for the technical Yeah, right? Scale. For, for, for fucking DJing, it's like, hey, man, you, you know what? You don't, like crap. you don't even oh know God. about this style of uh, house that I'm doing right now. You know what oh I mean? This boy. is like so underground. Like, <laughs> you know? And then the thing is, at the end of the day, man, it's weird because... Black like, is an open community, huh? Well, it's, suppo- it's supposed to be, actually, because actually the graffiti scene and the uh, DJ scene, uh, underground party scene, I think was well-connected because in New York, a lot of times if they have an underground abandoned warehouse party, guess who's coming? Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> absolutely. Globally, like, the underground cultures just kind of overlap. And yeah. so music and art often go together. So and, the art guys yeah, talk about the underground music shit. Yep, yeah, exactly. Whether it's hip-hop mm-hmm. or rave or whatever the local scene is, I think a lot of artists gravitate to that. Well, here's one thing. Uh, one thing that I've been posting on our page is that uh, I have a deep appreciation for a dude named Frankie Bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And he was... I remember him. Right? And he's the guy... Uh, he used to tag Bones in uh, in New York, basically, right? He's the guy who came up with this term plutter, basically, right? Plutter is... Uh, uh, peace, love, unity, respect. Basically, it's a it's uh, the ethos basically behind the younger. Well, not younger now. It's become the, just the rave community in general. Yeah. yeah okay. You're right. So, um, so people used to tag that, or what, it's kind of. I'm saying it's kind of like a you know acronym and stuff like that too, right? So people. I'm saying it's kind of connected to that underground culture nowadays. It's so commercialized that it's like. Um, it, it's just different, you, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse. A lot more people have more opportunities. Dude, I, I, I love it all. I mean, 
the stuff you were just playing a minute ago? I have no idea what the hell that's... What did you say? Is micro whatever? Micro Bulgarian house. Micro <laughs> Bulgarian micro house. My, I, I love my it. My friend Chuck, one of my best friends, he put me onto it recently. Well, see, he, he's a super nerd. I basically... He was my roommate. He's 10 years younger than me. I went back to college, and he was like my baby roommate, right? Yeah. And so I had turntables at the house, traditional vinyl. So he saw that. He started picking that up. He bought his own turntables. He started collecting vinyl. <laughs> but obviously, contemporary music, often the format is digital. Right. So he got the digital turntables and he started doing the digital thing and he kind of influenced me like all right you got to get the digital thing so Uh, and so he takes the time to really explore i go to a lot of underground events with him still and he kind of takes the time to really explore all the different genres and he's like yo this is really exciting right now check this out sometimes our our taste overlaps sometimes they don't but i definitely respect his opinion yeah you know and when i started off pretty much like i didn't understand it i thought everything was trance dude because trance is just so popular at that time it was like the uh, forefront genre, I was guess. Was it the late 90s? Um, yeah, late 90s, basically, okay. right? So everything's, everybody calls it trance. Even if his house is trance, right? Sure, <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like an era thing. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and, and to be honest, I, I was not a fan of house, man. Even though I, I mainly spin house nowadays. Sure. I, I love the, uh, you know, when you're rolling, you have the breathy vocals and you're, you know, you're on the journey, right? Sure. <laughs> Taking the trance, okay, you know, you listen to this music, it's like, right? And, you know, it's I inspect them because it's like the bass didn't kick as hard. It, yeah, it was more know. about the buildup. It's like these big epic buildups. It's like all this tension and you have the snare. And then and then like big vocals, like these soft pads, it was real dreamy. Yeah, and then, you know, it was very like a, a I, I like to say hopeful you, you know what I mean sure, and then, like uplifting vibe yeah and then as you know it's kind of weird because uh, as I feel like as I became more of a uh, jaded person because you know you go to enough raves and you meet enough assholes <laughs> you know you, 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 sure. you, a, a guy sells you shiitake mushrooms right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean like you know you go to and then you start to get darker right and, you, sure. you, and so the, the scene that I was like um you know, when you say Tiesto now, everybody's like, oh, yeah, of course, Tiesto. But, you know, what I mean, everybody knows Tiesto, right? It's like the it's most... It's become a big brand. Name. You, know, you know what I mean? But honestly, back in the, like, you know, early 2000s, basically, it's like, dude, that shit was hot, man. You know, For me, for me. Sure. You, you know what I mean? And then... Uh, um, I stopped loving trance because I was like, oh, it's too much generic stuff, you know what I mean? And I started trying to get me into underground. I got into drum and bass. I got into liquid drum and bass, which is like this... Uh, um, softer, softer, right? Almost and then, yes, yeah, right. So, and now I don't even spin anything that's remotely like trance or liquid. It's all just like uh, bass house and hip-hop influence stuff. And, you know, I just actually made the announcement recently. I produced a lot of hip-hop in the past. I'm actually not doing any more hip-hop because... Um, I realize I'm just like, dude, like, I, I feel like I'm a bad influence <laughs> again That's in so that funny. scene, you know, I mean, okay. it's just like, uh, I, I don't know, I, there, there's more scenes that are kind of, for me nowadays, that it's fun to go to that are positive, and sometimes the hip-hop scene nowadays, it's it's just so diluted from what it was before, you know? I don't even understand a lot of contemporary hip-hop. The whole, even the I don't think about all the partying they're doing and the girls they got and all the I mean, drugs they're doing. Like and the <laughs> saggy tight jeans. You know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things. <clears throat> so whether it's the, what they talk about, yeah, I don't even understand the drugs they do. Like, why would you put those substances in your body? Like, they use a lot of corporate drugs. So like, yeah, like, yeah, rich yeah, white yeah, people yeah, 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 rich yeah, and they're yeah. like advertising, like, oh, make these rich white people richer yeah, well, while they kill us. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like Xanax is big, like, right? Uh, drinking codeine is called scissor. But you know what? It, I think it's the access. Like, people have it, like, in the neighborhood because these, you know, pharmaceutical companies have sold sure, it. Sure, so it's so accessible. 
yeah, you which know, just speaks on and how good they're marketing and how they're poisoning America. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, well, they poison the music. I mean, I think uh, oh shit, I some of the the that, drugs right? reflect you know the content and the content's poison. Yeah, you know, it's really low vi- frequency vibration. You know, it's really bass. They're talking about misogyny oftentimes and things that are like, I mean, I I see the very superficial appeal, like yeah, this is hard, like oh yeah, titanas and drugs and all that shit, but. Real quick, it's like, this, this, this isn't making me feel good. Yeah. There's you know not I mean? a lot of conscious hip-hop anymore. Back in the day, um, you know, there's yeah. like, a, you know, your underground rap, right? You know, whether it's the atmosphere, your, you know... Uh, I was uh, a fan of the Freestyle Fellowship. Oh, okay, there you go. Freestyle Fellowship, AC Alone, right? Sure. You, you know what I mean? Actually, the... Uh, Even legend, uh, living Legends were pretty big. Yeah, man. Uh, shit. I mean... All the Project Blow guys. Yeah. Even like... Even like more mainstream stuff like Gangstar, you know, it's yeah, still Tribe Called Quest, maybe. Yeah, you know, uh, sure. exactly. Yeah, I loved all that stuff too. All that stuff, man. But there's, there's not really any. Uh, this is what I see. Kendrick, like, maybe? I, I know, Anderson I know. Pack? You know, there's, there's a few like shining stars, sure. you, you know what I mean? But how I kind of see it is like this there's no more uh, romantic R&B, really, right? Okay. Okay. So, so these are the low class love songs. Oh, <laughs> oh, Do you gotta see what I'm saying? I hear you. <laughs> you know. And also, one more thing is like, um, the, you know, there's a lot of teenage angst, man. Actually, like a lot of like, okay, let's just. These are like grown men with teen angst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously, it's like, um, you know, let's just take a look at even like smash hit old town road okay you, uh-huh. you know what i mean like yeah it's cool country beat but the kids love it because they love to say can't nobody tell me nothing of course you know, you know that's like their that's favorite like, favorite lyric that's their favorite line because it's like they that's have- the only lyric my kids know <laughs> my twins march around singing that shit you know i feel so weird because I, I feel like i put myself in these bubbles where like i'm i expose myself to tons of music right I'm yeah yeah tons of stuff from like colombia and africa it's all avant-garde and, and like I, I guess you know i guess i'm just a nerd you know my friends my friends make fun of me they like hop in my car like what are you gonna play some africa booga boo shit and I'm like, uh, yeah maybe actually that's not a bad idea and it's because i've actually i know of that song because people have spoken about it but i've never actually heard it yeah, 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 and like yeah, yeah, like yeah. Suavecito, for example, I didn't even know what that was for so long, and people were like, how do you not know the song? <laughs> you know, we that? looked it up on YouTube, Despacito. and it had uh, like 11 billion views yeah. or something like that. And I was like, how have I not heard this song? Like, I live in a rock. And that's true, though. Sometimes, I, especially DJs, I feel like you get like too uh, niche, and you get like too exploratory into like these rabbit holes. You know, what I'd I mean? much rather go down the rabbit hole, yeah. or even listen to some like. <laughs> Good dark '80s music or something. It's but weird, you know. It's what I mean? It just depends on like the venue you're DJing because sometimes, like, if you're like, if you're like a working DJ and you're working at the club, you're gonna be, you're gonna listen to the bullshit. Have to because you, you know have what? to know. Unfortunately, what's popular, unfortunately, you have to that's the that's what the people want, and it's not. The yeah, you know, that's the number one rule of DJing, right? It's like, hey, we're we're if they're not dancing, they're not doing a good job. High risk remix of whatever you're playing, but nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Exactly, you, you know, don't know how long I spent putting this together. <laughs> yeah, and you're not tits. You understand how many people ask me? So, what does a remix mean? Okay, and then you're just like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's like, really interesting. I'm so crazy that about music that, and the people that don't care are just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, it's a sound. I'm, I like it or I don't like it. <laughs> you know I, I mean? really hate to pass judgment on somebody I don't know for this, but oftentimes <laughs> when I meet new people and they tell me like, oh yeah, I don't really listen to music, I'm like. I probably don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really think we're going to like be friends. So I'm just going to stop talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
you gotta listen to something like Beatles, classical. Yeah, music, even if you have bad taste in music, like that's fine. But like you have like, that in your store, you know. Tell me, you listen to Rat or something, you know? I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that, like, to be, like, young and healthy, like, yeah. uh, you have to sing, you have to play, you have to dance, and, uh, you know, in order to dance and sing, you need music, right? So if yeah. you're not doing those things in your life, then you're probably not the happiest, healthiest person, you know? Yeah, I, I, are you a nudist? Are you a nudist? A nudist? No comment. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're like, uh, I often enjoy being naked, yeah. Are you a burning oh. Are you a burner? I do all the t- the similar festivals, but I don't actually put myself at Burning Man. Okay, okay. I like creature comforts, like you know, yeah, the, the, no, the, no, you know. And I totally respect all my friends are burners. Not all of them. I have a bunch of burner friends, and they go every year and they plan out. My boy Alan, shout out to Alan. He's one of my best friends my whole life. He goes, and him and his wife have like the time of their life. Uh, I don't want to put in the money and the effort to go to that where I can put in that same money and effort to go to like five other festivals. I can go to fucking Costa Rica to Envision and I can go to fucking Symbiosis or Lightning in a Bottle some of these other festivals like pay for all my food all my drugs all my fucking travel and everything else. Go to like five for what I would pay for one Burning Man. Okay, so I've been to Burning Man uh, five times. With all due respect. And I'm I'm not a burner. (laughs) Okay, Okay, see, that's really interesting. I I don't, uh, you know what? You don't adhere to that. I don't, yeah, I don't subscribe to the the ideology. The uh, radical self-reliance. Yeah, because you know what, man? I like people being nice to each other. Radical self-reliance means they're fucking assholes, man. Yeah, <laughs> individualistic. And it's weird because it's a community. They give each other stuff for free, but at the same time, if you don't have stuff, like, you're fucked. You yeah, know you know, I, mean? I, I, I much prefer the underground rave community where it's like, hey, you know what? Um, it's the plur, man. You, you, you know what I mean? And there's, like, people giving out candies. You know, so I find day, that you know? I, there's a lot of that at these other festivals like Lightning in a Bottle yeah. like a good local one yeah, that they yeah, have. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily plurb. It's kind of a mix of communities. There's like some deadheads and yeah. some like people from the other like niche really psychedelic hippie genre music. And yeah. they all kind of converge. It's like the gathering of the tribes. I've been to LIB one time. And there's usually a lot of love and a lot of respect and like people like I know like I brought friends to these type of events for the first time. They're like you're not going to lock your car. I'm like what for? They're like, but you have your stuff in there. I'm like, uh-huh. Well, you know, like, is it somebody going to take it? I'm like, why would somebody take my stuff? And then they, they're like, these, like, I'm saying these words to them and they don't get it, right? And at this last one we took, or not the, uh, we went to uh, Desert Hearts this year. Okay. We took a buddy who had never been to this type of festival. And day one, he lost his wallet. And I told him, like, don't worry about it, dude. By the time we leave, you're going to have your wallet. Oh, wow. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I explained to him, this has happened to me before. I've lost my, my cell phone the yeah. first day of the festival, like an iPhone. And before I leave, it magically comes back to my hand. But this is the, I lost three iPhones that have come back before I left the festival and two wallets. And I told him, I'm like, I promise you before we leave, your wallet will appear. You and, won't get it back at Burning Man. Though. And lo and behold... <laughs> Before we left, his wallet appeared. He's like, dude, you told me and I didn't believe you. I'm like, I told you nobody wanted your wallet. I'm like, it's your wallet. They have their own wallet. You know, I'm like, we're in a space where people come for that safety to put their guard down. You know what I mean? To have this, like, communal psychedelic experience. Nice. You know, like, no one wants your shit here. They brought their own shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go look at their campground. They have all their drugs just played out on their table, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, and, and people are like, this is so weird. Or, like, to him, it was so weird. And I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point. That's why we come here. That's why we come and do this. Because we escape this bullshit reality that we usually put up with. Mm-hmm. To come out here and give a little more love and respect and have this community. We share drugs. You know what? This guy ran out of weed. Oh, here's a joint, buddy. No yeah. problem. You know, right. I brought extra to share on purpose. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that's what I love about the uh, the, the music festival community. It's really, 
at least for that weekend. At least for that weekend. <laughs> <You> know, and, <laughs> and at least for that weekend, people don't litter. And at least for that weekend, people are a little nicer. And you know, and you come home feeling like energized. Yeah, and that's it's like fuck, yeah, you gotta have a balance. That you was so balance. much positivity in such a little time. I've got right. phones dropped off to me too after raves. after the event. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. After yeah. raves and things like that, which is super cool, man. Like, that's I mean, super and great. there's a lot of less of that these days, I believe. Uh, as the scene gets more and more diluted. I mean, dude, when we used to go to underground parties and, okay, let's just name off some, like Masterdome, basically. Oh, so I got like, to DJ there a bunch of times. <laughs> nice. That, yeah. Okay, do you remember Circus? Sure. Circus, Circus, Disco. I DJ there, too. Yeah, I DJ there, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> that was my, my era. It, wow. it was, it's just like legend, legendary clubs, man. And uh, yeah. you know what? It's like, if you were there, it's kind of like... The first I, club I actually started going to is right next door to Circus. It was arena. called the Arena. Yeah. yeah. And I started going there when I was 13. Mm. And it was on Fridays. And it was actually all ages. And it was a gay night. But it was the only house music, all ages place. And there was a ton of people. Obviously, a lot of straight people went. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was pretty fucking crazy and pretty amazing like the vibes were really thick all the graffiti writers would go mm. you'd see people from all over town i met like dudes that i looked up to like oiler was one of the uppest graffiti writers i think ever in la history i, I, I met him there yeah with tribe which went to my junior high mm-hmm. who they were dating at the time i was like oh dude like you know him like that's so cool you know what i mean because you know obviously people fanboy you know obviously <laughs> that guy, absolutely that dude. guy was like all city king like there has been like i remember there was a few other guys there was tolls at the time who used to put in a lot of work and oh, rest in peace tolls but oiler i think was the guy that was just like every part of town i go whether it was the north most northern part of the valley or the mm-hmm. most southern part of south central east la wherever it was by the beach and it was like I'm following him around. I often felt like I was following him around town. Like, I'd literally like, go down the street and there'd be like a fresh tag. Like, that wasn't there when so we So, who would write Oiler? Oiler or Oil. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, from COI, Cause of Insanity. Who did you do? Rollers or. He did or? Fat Cab Tags and Scribes. So, he'd be up on the buses. You'd catch Scribes. Like, he still got a court at uh, the court building in downtown LA on Temple Street. When you exit the court, it says Oil 1 COI 1991. Wow. R- right on the exit door. You know what I mean? Which is awesome. I love that they haven't changed that. Oh, you know what? I just thought, okay, so you ever been arrested? Uh, yes. Ah. How old were you? Uh, well, I've had a DUI before, and I've been, you know, I got busted with mushrooms when I was like 15 years old. Really? Whoa. Let's hear about that right quick. Uh, you know, my best friend at the time and I had not experienced mushrooms yet. We'd heard a lot about them. We had done LSD. And we're like, uh, let's steal my mom's car and go do mushrooms. And so we stole my mom's car, but she had just gotten a new car and it was a stick. And I know how to, I was a champ, but I didn't really know how to drive a stick that well at the time. Oh, no. And we were uphill and a cop pulled behind me. And I kind of had an issue with the clutch. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm all good. And he goes, boop, boop. You know, it flashes me, and I'm like, oh, fuck, we're fucked. You know, pull over, you know, pat down the whole thing. He's like, dude, you're not even old enough to be driving. You know, I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm tripping on mushrooms, too. You know, I, I um, was a bit of like... That's crazy. Like I said, I was attracted to trouble. So I would often do things. Like, I'd often take my mom's... I'd steal my mom's car all the time without her knowing. Like, I'd sneak out at midnight, jump out the window, take her car, go smoke some weed and do graffiti and shit. When I was, like, 14, you know what I mean? 15. when, when, When I was in junior high, we were in a crew called UCLA, which was one of the precursor crews that kind of came before KOG from the same part of town. And, like, a lot of the original members were from UCLA first before KOG. Um... I used to steal my mom's car 
and we'd drive down to 3rd and Fairfax at the farmer's market, and we'd have our crew meeting there, and then I'd drive us back up to, like, the city walk or something, and we'd, like, smoke weed in my car, <laughs> and then I'd drop it off back at my house before my mom got home from work, so, like, she would notice it was gone. You know? Oh, my God. Jeez. And, you know, the women mind the gas gauge? That was junior high. <laughs> uh, I don't think I ever minded that. And, you know, and my mom was really oblivious about certain things. You yeah. know, she, she was really cool and on top of a lot of things, but some things, she was just kind of, she was too busy. She was like working. Like the gas gauge. Like the gas gauge. She never looked at gas. Gas is low, you get more gas. You know, we thought, like, wait a minute. Like, no, no. Wait, so you know what? Which, what which about was, for graffiti? Did you get arrested for graffiti before? I, you know, the first time I got arrested for graffiti, a cop walked into my class in junior high and he pulled me out of class and he handcuffed me in the hallway <laughs> Whoa. which sucked I got ratted on uh, I still suspect who it was I'm pretty sure I know who it was but basically you know what often happens is one kid gets caught and they tell him well, we're going to oh. throw the book at you unless you give us, you know, and they'll name somebody or they'll, they'll show them your book, like, point out some guys. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And which was one thing that was really cool was uh, one of my buddies, Noe, I think he caught wind and he's like, yo, man, he's like, somebody ratted on you. They're going to come get rid of all your fucking shit. Ooh. So I was selling weed at the time. I took Ooh. all my weed <laughs> and I gave it to somebody. I went to my locker, got all my graffiti shit, took, ripped up literally anything in my fucking backpack. I threw it all away. Oh. So when they got me, even though they knew who I was and what I was doing, there was no evidence. Oh. I didn't have shit on me about anything. But That would have made the huge. But I had zigzags a pack of zigzags that i forgot to eliminate from my wallet mm. and that technically is illegal to have marijuana paraphernalia on school grounds so <sighs> they took me to the police station you know it was a slap on the wrist you know i'll tell you what i was really lucky in that at that time in the 90s all the court systems weren't really like uh, internet connected oh right right and so i got arrested at least once and ended up at every single major court in la like <laughs> east lake Coima, like every court and i went to every single court uh, arrested for either vandalism or smoking weed on the street or some dumb shit and every single time they're like oh well since it's your first offense <laughs> slap on the wrist yeah, yeah little did they know i've had a first offense at every fucking court <laughs> day, but they weren't interconnected and that paper. Paper, there was no file of any of my shit at that court so hey it's your first offense slap on the wrist community service always community service there's always like graffiti removal or sweeping up elementary schools or caltrans or some dumb shit but mm. I got real lucky in that I never really had to, you know, go to juvenile hall. Like, some of my friends that are like, oh, yeah, they put us in work camp. We had to do this and that. And it's like, fuck, dude. Like, I do way worse shit than you. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> You're spreading you lucky know, enough not to get arrested. It's the draw. But you know, and today, an artist that is in the Getty, dude. <laughs> and many other museums for recognized for your art, man. It's really weird. And it's a clandestine art form. And it's kind of <laughs> like a gray area. It's like, oh, like, you know, you meet people and you tell them you do graffiti. And it's like, they smile at you. But inside, they think, like, you fucking scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> Vandal. <laughs> Unless they're like, oh, like Banksy. And often I, I reply, yes. 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 <laughs> yes, I can. You know, absolutely. Because that's the context they have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, and before Banksy was became known for, for stencils, he was known for Ian stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. It, you know, we're, yeah, we're getting definitely. He did there. aerosol art, and yeah, no, he had a uh, beef with King Robo, man. You, you know, I mean, that whole that That's whole right. beef. That's right, R.I.P. Robo. Yeah, I mean, uh, so it's like, dude, he didn't just come. A lot of people, I hate it because sometimes it's like they think every street artist is Banksy, basically. It's like, oh shit, dude, this guy's prolific, man. He gets up everywhere around the world. Every every stencil is him. Basically. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean? <laughs> absolutely. Right. So, but but I think you know. At the end of the day, it's like 
dude, he was in the scene for a very long time and earned the respect of a lot of the graffiti artists. And then, sure, I mean, the first time he came through to LA, he stayed at my buddy's house, and like my some of my buddies from my crew ended up showing him around town oh, damn, and like nice. having him paint. You know, like here, yeah. paint this, do that. You know. So he definitely has the ties, the old school ties. He's been around. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? you know. So, yeah, so, you know, we again, a lot of people, we were just talking about in the last podcast, it's like as you you get introduced to the scene, especially maybe through a Banksy or a Shepherd Fairy or something like that, and then as you go deeper in the waters, you start to be more critical of, like, everybody's work. So you start to, like, kind of turn on the people who initially is, That's so is, funny. inspired you. <laughs> you know, it's like the natural progression of this. And I think, yeah, even within the community, there's a lot of room to hate on those guys. Like, oh, they're the real successful guys. Fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, I, I believe I fell for that as well it's for some time but then it's like man you gotta respect this guy he's working so hard look at him up there like he's fucking getting his shit out there people everybody knows it in the fucking around the world like yeah, yeah. you can be a hater all you want but there's gotta yeah. be a point where it's like you know actually that guy's doing something you know and you know it's kind of the same uh, for DJing too like I said there's so many it's, it's a yeah, big I might part. not like what they do but yeah. I respect their work ethic you know yeah. there's a lot of DJs yeah. like that like that have come like I saw many many years ago like uh like a track, I remember when he was like a hip hop guy. He yeah, was like yeah, a championship yeah, 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 yeah. And now he makes like, in my opinion, like some of the most boring derivative. I mean, if people love it, you know, and it's really <laughs> dance floor friendly. But I don't like a lot of that more main room kind of yeah music. I think it's kind of like uh, obvious. Well, okay, okay. So, so okay. The, the darker or the more underground you get, though, you basically start. You lose girls. It was less girls. <laughs> no, it's the better the music. Because they're not as nerdy as the guys. No, I, I don't know how many times you know you meet hot hot chicks and they're like, dude, yeah, music. I'm a basic bitch. I just like yeah. straight up say that. You know, yeah. you're just like, you know, I give up as a DJ, man. Because on one hand, you want to have your respect for your peers, the, the guys. You know, you want to be sure. hard. You want to have like, and you want to respect yourself. yourself too. Like, you know, I really <laughs> love what I'm playing. Like, I actually feel this. Like, I like this. I'm not just playing like yeah, yeah. to please people. I'm pleasing myself also. You know? Yeah, totally. And that's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, man, it's a fine balance and in all of that you, you know? gotta find that balance because the, you know the more underground you go like you said you're by yourself dude <laughs> you're DJing your yeah. bedroom and, and you're yeah, right. there's, there's nothing wrong with that you know sometimes people want to have that that solitude you know yeah, yeah yeah. you know what I think is really cool is like uh, you know you're talking about how big the underground scene has gotten or the, the rave community yeah the rave community yeah. like I think you know on any given Saturday night in LA like there's an app or a website called Resident Advisor yeah. you know and it's yeah. lists like all the house it's, it doesn't even touch the bass music it doesn't touch any of the other genres it's just pretty much techno and house Yeah. but like on any Friday or Saturday night there'll be like 10 parties listed Yeah. and they'll have like international talent and you're like okay how can this be cracking how can there be 10 parties and they're all successful and you go to one or two like with my buddies sometimes we're literally like alright we're gonna start at this because we're crazy yeah. we'll, we'll hit three of them up and I, all three I, of them are packed yeah. and it'll be like seven in the morning and there's still like 500 people on the dance floor you know and we go outside and you smoke some weed and it's bright and it's like what the fuck and then you go back inside and it's still dark oh, and the wave right. is still going and it's like wow everybody's got a super thriving some underground they serve booze all night i mean it's, it's popping it's a good party uh, yeah sometimes wow. i take naps and then i wake up to that. go to the party because i'm that. old <laughs> you know what a disco nap yeah exactly all the time dude <laughs> I take the disco nap all the time like oh I'm gonna go out tonight yeah I'm gonna sleep right now I'll wake up at this time have a quick shower and then I'll be out I'll get there by midnight perfect cause that's like when it starts happening really hey, pretty uh, much 
uh, have you uh, do you produce at all or just DJ? Maybe? I did for a while. Okay, I yeah, haven't yeah, yeah. In, in some time, but okay. I, I did dabble in some cool. music production. Um, yeah. So let me ask you. So I'm trying to get back into it. Probably. Hey, let's collab, man. I'm down, I'm down yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, one of my best homies, uh, Paisa. Uh, he was also a super well-known graffiti writer, LTS, okay. MSK guy. He was the really nice great billboards awesome graffiti dude he's moved a lot away from the visual arts well his he worked in the visual arts but because of that he's kind of taint, jaded like uh, i don't want to do that for my hobby or for my yeah. fun anymore mm-hmm. so he's worked into the the music world he's been really involved in the whole dance community for a long time okay and he makes some super fucking sick house music dude awesome and man. he has inspired me to like you know what i, I kind of want to get into making music again yeah you, you know, know? The thing about, um, and it's hard to find people to collab with because they're, people are a little bit secretive about how people produce a lot of times, you know what I mean? But, dude, I'm totally down to uh, to collab, man. I was just asking, so you went to Costa Rica to go raving, right? To a festival? Yeah. How was, was that, man? Well, I, I didn't go just exclusively to go raving. Okay. I, uh, there's an organization called MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary oh, yeah, yeah, Association yeah, yeah. for Psychedelic Sciences, mm-hmm. and they have, and they're, they're doing the legalization, they're working on stage three files for, uh, rather, trials to legalize MDMA, they got ketamine Legalized. They're going to get mushrooms. They're, they're getting slowly. Yeah, I've heard about mushrooms. They're the guys yeah. doing the science. They're a nonprofit pharmaceutical company promoting psychedelics as medicine to actually get better and not just placate your symptoms. And anyway, they have a harm reduction organization known as Zendo. And Zendo, it's pure psychedelic support. Basically, when people are having a difficult experience, which <laughs> is what uh, layman's you know is a bad trip. Right. But people in the psychedelic community just call it a difficult experience because there's often a lot of learning and a lot of positivity that comes at the end. But you have to work through it. You know what I mean? We give them, we, we call it holding space. And basically, we create a safe environment for them to have their experience. They can lay down, they can stand up, they can dance, they can do whatever, but they're kind of away from the crowd, away from the overwhelming music and visuals and all that shit. And, you know, if they want to talk, we can talk. If they want to nap, they can nap. And it's basically just helping people get to the other side you know safe and in a whole you know in a, in a it's kind of guiding them through basically you, know, you don't guide trip. that's you know what part of the ethos oh, you okay. don't guide or guru they, they guide themselves the oh, medicine is guiding they're you know they're kind of come for you just in case you feel like you're, you're just there to, to basically literally like hey man i'm here for you if you need me i'm here this is the space you can do anything you want if you need water here's some fucking water you know because a lot of time you know you're you're overwhelmed you know there's music and there's people and you're having emotions stuff is coming up and mm-hmm. you just need to get away from it all so it's kind of a space to kind of just go through a few moments sometimes it takes many moments you know i've sat for people a whole eight-hour shift before. Now the shifts are a little shorter, but uh, you know sometimes they're having a really difficult experience. They come in thinking they're dead, or they come in, you know, just not even knowing who they are. Oh, wow. And it takes a while to uh, to regroup. You know, they call it integration. You know, when you actually go through the experience and you take up all the pieces and you kind of put a story together, like, okay, this is what happened. This is what I went through. You know, and it takes a while sometimes. Sometimes people integrate there. Sometimes they go back to their camp. You know, but. I really, I feel really uh, blessed, fortunate, humbled to work with them and to go through those experiences with these people because there's a lot of learning. A lot of purpose in that. I mean, I've been through difficult experiences and during the middle of it been beat up by security guards, hogtied, dragged out in the middle of the desert and left on my stomach, you know? And that necessarily wasn't the best way to deal with me. (laughs) You know what I mean? But at the same time, clearly I wasn't, you know, I was presenting a challenge to them and they didn't, they weren't <laughs> trained on how to deal with my difficult experience, you know? Right. And fortunately now the community's grown in such a way where there's these organizations that 
hold space and even the security guards know like hey this guy's having let's get one of these experts over here talk them back over to our space you know have them chill out for a little while you know okay. so that's the reason i went out there was volunteering with them and you went to a festival right yeah there. it was called envision okay and it's beautiful nice. yeah, out of all like a lot of the festivals i go to i mean the setting you're like 100 feet away from the beach Ooh, so damn. as soon as the sun comes up because the, the, the music goes until the sun comes up because once the sun comes up it gets kind of hot so they turn the music off and they let you go back to sleep for a few hours you know they still have they have meditation and yoga and permaculture and all these different workshops during the day you know so they have all this education stuff and information that's coming out all day long and then at night they turn the music on and you dance the sun comes up you know what i mean and what's lovely is like you know the sun comes up at 6 a.m the last dj plays his last record you're in this big group of hippies and then they open the gate to the beach and you all just kind of migrate to the beach like maybe go back to the campground to grab a little money or some beer or something a couple joints and then you spend you know the next few hours winding down from all that dancing in the water splashing around you know nice nice it's really beautiful the setting's beautiful um it was one of my better you know and i got really lucky i saw my homegirl tana the first day i was there she was running the vip bar (laughs) <laughs> and she's like, hey, come back here. Yeah. I'm going to be here the whole weekend. <gasps> and, the whole, and, and like, so the, for the regular people, they had like decent beer. But back there, they had like, you know, local craft beer, IPAs. They Ooh. had they were opening bottles of uh, Dom. Oh, yeah. like high end because it was like really a high end VIP cabana area. And she was managing it. So although I didn't have a VIP pass, I didn't pay the extra like whatever, 10 G's for the cabana. <laughs> I got to go. And they got, you know, so I had like an extra... You know, I barely spent any money. You know what I mean? Uh, we got fed as a volunteer with the whole Zendo thing. There's like a, a, you know, a commissary. You go and you get fed at the commissary. And you know, a really beautiful thing about this festival is you have to bring your own cups, your own forks, your own plates. Oh, you know, yeah. they provide places to wash it, but no there's trash. like so little waste. You yeah. know, you bring your own bottles of water and there's free water everywhere. And you know, the volume of trash that's reduced. Like, we all got together. Totally. We pack it in, you pack it out. I brought, like, literally, a, uh, like, a camping bag and one backpack full of stuff. It was enough stuff to survive for the whole week out there. You know, my tent, my, all my shit. It was perfect. You know, and there was no trash. We put so little trash. At the end of the thing, there was just food waste, which is all compostable, which they compost on site. You know what I mean? It's so, like, it's awesome. cool that's to be able Because, nice. you know, you go to the, like, Coachella... And it's like at the end of the set, you're walking on a mountain of bottles because people don't even, <laughs> oh they're, not, they don't even they're not even That's educated true. enough concert goers to like take the trash with you and put it in the recycle bin after. Don't just <sighs> throw it on the floor and have everybody trip on it's, it. Well, it's the mentality of, uh, you know, it, it, I feel like people they're are uneducated. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, not, they, yeah. you know, and I think in my community, I was talking about like this festival in Costa Rica, the whole thing is about education and really mm. like bettering yourself. At the end of it, you're supposed to come out a fucking better person. Okay, you I gotta tell you real quick though. Me and Teach, we're, when we were in Amsterdam, uh, <laughs> we actually went went to a, a open air festival which is kind of like the Coachella of Amsterdam okay, okay. yeah um, it's pretty how was cool. it you know I, I, I enjoyed it the music was great Claptone was uh, headlining okay right? cool the guy wearing the, the mask or whatever the um, big dick nose <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> exactly it's like an exactly. Asian guy right yeah Asian um, but the, you know what this is what I got mad about okay they only had fucking I, I, okay I'm on team people they only had vegan options to eat dude okay and then when you're when I can't get mad at that myself <laughs> but I'm just saying like you have to as a not you know they sell to you on sustainability <laughs> okay so the thing is like I was like god damn I was saving my food all day to eat at the festival after we did all this work and now I gotta eat like 500 salads until <laughs> <laughs> I get full and that's not like the best festival food vegan you're racist <laughs> but you know what 
they need to step up their game because I've been to festivals that have like mostly vegan food. Yeah, and it's top notch. It's actually delicious. Like I mean, it's, it's like fuck. I actually want to eat that. Yeah, you but, then, I mean? but then you need to eat a lot more vegan food to get like I don't know. Like I said, I eat a lot of meat. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Man. You know. But anyways, you know what, man? It's, this flew by, man. It's been over an hour, man. Wow. And, and you know what? Again, I think we should definitely have fish on again, man. Like, you know, just, I love come, on, just come on. Like, uh, uh, cause you know, now we're starting to kind of like this is season two, it's our year two. We're going to keep on doing it until we, uh, can't do it no more <laughs> you know what I mean? so Sounds it's like good. we're gonna have people come back on man we'd love to have you back on man but um is there any place you want the audience to kind of uh look you up at and follow uh yeah how can they see sure. your work and how can so they buy I have stuff? a website that i haven't updated in a while but okay. it's still up it's fish1.com that's f-i-s-h-e the number one dot c-o-m mm-hmm. then i'm on instagram at f-i-s-h-e dot o-n-e mm-hmm. i believe that's my same twitter handle Okay. And uh, I have some work currently up at the A Plus D Museum. The show is coming down on the 22nd. It's a group show called uh, Intervention, and it's a bunch of 2D guys, graffiti guys that are doing like 3D. It's like my foray into sculptural work. I have some sculptures I made there. Nice. Uh, if you're awesome. in downtown, you pass by there. Other than that, uh, can I give some quick shouts? Yeah, yeah, yeah please, 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 man. Uh, big out shouts to KOG, LTS versus RB. Uh, my raver friends like versus yeah man yeah that's my boy these are like high school friends kyle big up to kyle uh like i've known these kids my whole life i feel really blessed big up to randy the Wook, randy shadow sniper mike zona she rocks love you babe uh who else that's it oh, oh my boy clown my boy jabber you should yeah. probably get jabber on here sometimes he's one of the most prolific graffiti guys i know like that guy's if been consistently active I know. I know exactly who he is for year white after ninja. year day after day the white ninja yeah man like People have a lot of hate, I've heard over the years, but and then a lot of the haters, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. They've turned into fans. So yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a really active dude. He does a lot of, he's got his foot in a lot of things, and it's really good. I know. I, dude, I keep I, up with him, and I totally love his work. totally respect his work ethic, too. So and mad think, skills. You know, you're our first, like, real OG graffiti artist that's been on the show, man. I think, like, it kind of, like, uh, will open up doors for us, uh, for opportunities of guys saying, hey, Fish did the podcast, like, you know what I mean? I respect Fish like his work, man. Like, Word. You know, and hopefully that'll happen, man. So uh, we want to thank you, man. Very thank much. You, you know what? I just wanted to mention one other thing. Okay. Um, you know, we didn't talk about here. Um, that's uh, Fish has another style other than just the the graffiti style that no. he does. Okay, it's uh, it's like a geometric style that he actually. Um, oh, that's the dog with the like mentioning this end of the podcast. <laughs> no, but you definitely got to check out his work because he has an amazing way of morphing the uh, the two styles together that I just love. I oh love yeah, yeah, way. yeah. I love it, man. It's I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, it's a uh, you know I, I Okay, we're going to leave it with this because the dog's barking, but I remember you said something like, I don't, you, you like art that doesn't, it's not derived from something else. Can you, you know what I'm talking about? It's not a derivative of uh, other art, basically. Oh, right? well, you know, it happens a lot with DJs, and it's like, um, DJs that only grew up listening to dance music and don't necessarily have like a, they never listen to the Beatles or classical or right. anything, have a really limited set of things to pull from. So what they make sounds just like everything that they've listened to, which comes from a really limited pool. And oftentimes, artists kind of paint themselves into this little circle. It's like, oh, I'm a graffiti guy or a street guy. 
and they only look at like the people within their own little community and so what they make becomes kind of just really a copy or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know not that interesting it's like oh your painting looks just like everybody you're a fan of and that that's <laughs> cool because everybody obviously has influences you know yeah. I got influenced by a ton of graffiti writers and a lot of fine artists but I think like authenticity and kind of making it your own and bringing your own flavor into it I, I think is really important and unfortunately a lot of people are really content with just being like everybody else whether being it's graffiti guys or street art guys yeah being derivative a lot of DJ guys like I'm just gonna play in top 40 I'm gonna play what my favorite DJ plays it's like the, if he's already playing it what are you bringing why are you playing like let him do it you yeah. know what I mean yeah yeah so. well shit man that's some great advice from an OG graffiti writer from Los Angeles thank you very much guys leave us a review uh, follow us at PTTP just google paint the town podcast and uh, we appreciate you guys thank you guys love you guys take care thanks again fish namaste yeah. thank you guys and in the end, the love you take is equal to love. You.